Is Temtem the spiritual successor to Pokemon, its descendant, or is it just kind of a related sibling? Well, let's talk about it on this episode of the Gaming and Chill podcast. This episode is sponsored by Humble Bundle. However, I did not receive any free copies or keys from them. So I just wanted to make that very clear. It will not affect how I view things as Humble Bundle actually helped uh, produce this project. So just wanted to be clear on that. So is Temtem the spiritual successor to Pokemon? Well, I think that's actually a really interesting question, because the answer is not clear-cut. Some ways, yes. Some ways, no. It may seem like a direct rip-off or copy, much the same way as Digimon was looked upon, but I think Digimon was actually first. In a sense, it's closer to a mixed hybrid of the two, Pokemon and Digimon. It has that digital kind of vibe in the way you do some things, but at the same time, it's, well, clearly looks like and behaves like Pokemon. Wandering around an island, collecting new Pokemon-like objects. Yeah, it seems a lot like Pokemon. But that doesn't mean it's a copy-paste thing. I've seen some pretty horrific uh, examples of just copy-paste. You know, the old, let's make a copy of this game because it's popular, and then we'll do our own thing. No, that's not what this is. Clearly, you can see, you know, some of the music notes on occasion sound like, yeah, that sounds like it could have been in a Pokemon game. And, you know, there's certain tones of adventuring. Sure. So, let's take it piece by piece. Alright? The Tem design. They are very original. Uh, yes, some of them are based upon, like, plants and platypus and different things. And yes, that's very similar to how Pokemon does things. But that doesn't mean it's a direct ripoff. That just means you both looked at the same thing and went, I want to make a monster out of a platypus. Which I don't think actually Pokemon has done that, that I can think of. So, yeah, Tem design is similar, but it's not. The way moves are done, uh, the way encounters are done... It's different. So you learn moves through leveling up. Shocker. That's what 99% of RPGs do. So that is not uniquely Pokemon. What is different from Pokemon in that sense, though, is stamina. Your Thames only have so much stamina before they overexert themselves and hurt themselves. Which, I like that mechanic. It stops you from spamming the equivalent of Hyper Beam over and over and over. 
Because otherwise, at the end of the game, that's all you're going to be doing. Which is pretty awesome. Because at the end of the battle, all your stamina comes back. You don't have to go hunt down like elixirs to bring back power. You don't have to do anything. It's a power balance thing. Much the way that I understand why Pokemon has the PowerPoint system so that you aren't just spamming stuff. It punishes your further encounters. Temtem, however, it's all stamina-based. You run out of stamina, you tell your Tem to just wait in battle, and it regains stamina. And you can use your heavy moves again. I'm all for that. I think that's a great way of mitigating the endgame power crawl, where it's just like, I spam this powerful move over and over. It stops that, and it makes you be more uh, tactical about how you're going to do things. Don't just continuously beat a brick wall. Go around it. That's a smarter decision. All battles are 2v-x. I say that because sometimes they're 2v1, which is a stomp, or 2v2, which is a little bit more fair. So you will always have two Thames on the field, which is pretty awesome, because immediately you have two Thames. You do have your starters, which are in the similar vein of I'm stronger versus you, you're stronger versus that, and they're stronger versus me. That's just a smart decision. There is the different elemental type weaknesses, but it's actually kind of different. It's not just straight fire, water, electric, you know, grass, that sort of thing. There's a lot more types. Like There's, there's digital Thames. There's mental. There's physical. There's crystal. It changes the way things are. It makes you learn a new skill set. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to go, hmm, grass is weak to fire, fire is weak to water, water is weak to grass. I'm a genius. There is still some hints of that, but it's a new system you gotta learn. I'm still actually learning it and going, I don't understand. Okay, I gotta figure out which weaknesses are which, what's strong against what, instead of just spamming moves. I like that. It's a brand new challenge for people who are ingrained in Pokemon, who are ingrained in Digimon. There's a huge room for growth. So Thames, they kind of walked that line of, you know, it's clear that it was inspired by Pokemon, but I don't know that I would say it's copying Pokemon, because let's face it, Pokemon in and of itself is not the most original idea. It's just an idea. So, from there, let's talk about music. The music in Temtem is actually really good. Sometimes you've got the soaring heights of things, and sometimes you've got caves and things like that, which... I am all for. I think it sounds good. I think that it has potential. You're not sticking around for music. 
as much as you're not sticking around for music and Pokemon on occasion. There are some bangers, though. So, I actually really like the music of Temtem. Now, I have not got to explore everything with my busy schedule. I've not been able to go super far into the game, because there is a lot more grind. But we're going to talk about grind here in a little bit. So, graphics, it's adorable. It takes that cartoony vibe that Pokemon has, and it kind of ratches it up. It kind of looks like My Ten Time at Portia. It has this cartoonish vibe to it that feels good. And you're started out with an immediate like character customization. Hey, what kind of hair do you want? What kind of colors do you want? And it's not just like you have three different choices of hair. It's like, hey, here's like nine choices, and you get to have bicolored hair. You want highlights? How do you want it? It feels like you're actually creating an MMO character. So, I think that's really cool. A really cool feature that I think is actually kind of cool that they added is the fact that you get to pick your pronoun. Now, some people don't like that. And to those people, I say, okay, if this is your hell to die on, go for it. Don't play the game if it bothers you that much. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, cool, that's actually kind of a forward-thinking move. Because I play all my characters as female. Cool. It allows you to choose that, do I want to do I want to role-playing character later? How do I want to roll it? So you get to look at it and go, I want to choose. Maybe you choose a character that you identify with. Maybe you don't. It's ultimately your decision. The more power that a producer or a developer gives you, the more you're able to pour yourself into that character. Again, if it's not your thing, you live you. Just leave everyone else alone. I have seen some reviews that are like, oh my god, worst game ever, they caved, they did this, and it's like, wow. Okay, back up, take a breath, now figure out what's the problem. Not going into that, I think it's actually just a smart idea to offer people choices. The more choices people are given in-game, the more choices they are more able to utilize. I mean, it wasn't long ago in history of Pokemon that it was like, you get to play as just one character. Then eventually came up to, hey, are you a boy or are you a girl? Cool. How do you want to dress? Until we're finally at Sword and Shield where it's like, cool, boy or girl, how do you want your hair to look? How do you want your clothes to look? How do you want all this to look? The more choices you give people, the more they can pour themselves into a character, or the more they can create a, just a fantasy character. So, good on you developers for giving people options. That actually brings us to talking about the grind and MMO aspects. But before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. This episode of the Gaming and Chill podcast is brought to you by Humble Bundle. 
Humble Bundle is an online game retailer. Each week, they have brand new bundles that last for only a limited amount of time. And with Humble Bundle Monthly, for a flat fee each month, you gain access to over $100 worth of games for only $13. A game I received was Soul Calibur 6, which normally retails at nearly $60. And I got it and several other highly rated games for the low price of $13. If you love games as much as I do, do yourself a favor and get Humble Bundle Monthly using the link down in the description or by using the link on our website. Not only will you be getting amazing games for yourself, you'll also be able to support the podcast. Back to the show. The Grind. No one super looks forward to it, but everyone kind of super looks forward to it. It's the aspect in every RPG game in which you just kind of hang out in the same area and beat up on the local populace of wild animals. It's been a part of RPG games since, well, probably since ever. I can't confirm that, but I'm going to go ahead and say since forever. Now, some games, they make you grind. You know, I'm thinking of old RPGs where it's like, look, the game's not that long, but we're going to make it brutally difficult So you're going to need to spend a long time grinding. So therefore, the game is long. And some games require no grind at all. I would say Temtem rates in the, it kind of falls in the middle. Because if you don't grind, you're going to have a lot harder of a time. I'm reaching a point where I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have to grind before I keep going. Because like, Every battle, I'm having to run back and heal, and that's not ideal. So, maybe I'll just spend some time, you know, beating up on the local populace. Grinding can be fun. It can be a slog. I think this finds that middle ground. That sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not. Grinding isn't all fun unless you're one of those people. Which, good on you if you are. The grind is not the worst part, the grind is not the best part, it's the part where you end up catching up with your local Twitch streams, which, that's actually what I do. I sit and grind, and I watch Twitch streams, I watch YouTube, so there's room for that, and the fact that it's on PC makes it all the easier. And with it being on PC, it adds a new element to the game, the element that they have hyped up a lot. And the element in which I find a lot of disappointment. The MMORPG segment. As I am a fan of MMORPGs. I love them. I love playing them. I love reading about them. I just love being part of the culture. And when they said, hey... It's got an MMORPG segment or section part uh, part of its identity. And I'm like, that's awesome. It does as much as Pokemon Sword and Shield have an MMORPG section. It's an RPG and there is some MMO. However, I would not say it's an MMORPG. In that, I mean, 
you can see people running around and that sometimes is disconcerting or it's like you walk into a house and you're like i know there's npcs here but all i can see is other people it's like cool i mean that's awesome and all but at the same time man it feels like i'm constantly running into people everywhere And the most you can interact with them is forming clubs uh, and playing co-op with one other person. So you don't even get to play with everyone with your club. So it's about as MMO as the Pokemon Sword and Shield, the wild area. You get to see people, you on occasion get to do things together, but for the most part, it's a single player game. And to say that it's an MMORPG, is disingenuous. I will go ahead and say that. As much as I love Temtem, it's not an MMORPG. It's an RPG with multiplayer aspects, but I don't know that I would tag it MMORPG. So, I think that's actually the biggest, air quotes, disappointment for me, in the sense of, like, I walked in thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. You're going to be able to do a lot of stuff together. Oh, nope. Okay. That's kind of disappointing. When I think MMORPG, I think like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2. I think of a lot of things. But emoting with people, doing occasional co-op, trading and battling... That's not an MMORPG. It's things in an um, MMORPG, but in and of itself, it is not an MMORPG. It's a single player with multiplayer aspects. And I think that's about the extent of it. That being said, my snap review of this game is, get it. If you're a fan of Pokemon, Digimon, I would pick it up. It's on Steam, which means they're going to be constantly updating it. It's not like you're buying a, air quotes, finished project. It's a, they they uploaded it and there were some server issues. There was a lot of bugs. But they fixed it. They were able to patch it, no problem. Which I actually like. They are on top of it. If there's anything, like, I understand when games have issues at launch because let's face it no one quite knows how to launch an mmo which this game relied upon servers are all online so no one really knows the science of it 100 you kind of go i think we're in this ballpark and we're gonna release oh that didn't work out so swell so there were some issues What I love about it is they were constantly updating people on Twitter. Constantly. They were constantly going, hey guys, we found a new issue, we're patching it, here's what you can do. Here's what to do. Here's what we got planned. Here's what we're doing. They were constantly communicating. There is nothing worse than an MMO that launches and then they just stop talking. And then you're just sitting there going, oh no, did you abandon this? Are you just done? What's going on? So, 
I like the fact that they communicated and they're talking about doing new things. So if you're hesitant about that, I wouldn't be. Because they're constantly communicating and updating. Because it's on Steam, it's easier to update it. It's not like you have to push an update to a console or anything else. It's Steam. You update it, you're good to go. So, Snap Review, pick it up. It's a little expensive, but pick it up. I think that it's going to be worth it in the long run. And I actually just really like it. It appeals to the nature in my heart that really likes the action-adventure aspect of Pokemon, of Digimon. I think it appeals to that, and I think that it'll appeal to a lot of people. So, I think that's actually where we're going to end for the day. Let us know down in the comments below, or hit me up at Twitter, at DerekGNC, and let me know, like, did you pick up Temtem? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Who'd you get as your starter? What's your favorite Tem? And did you have a Ketchaluma, a shiny Tem? So, until next week, keep training those Tems, keep training those Pokemon, and keep training those Digimon, and be the best that you ever could be. Peace. Thanks for tuning into the Gaming and Chill podcast. We hope you liked it. It would be really helpful if, on your given listening platform, you were to leave a comment and give us a rating. For more on the Gaming and Chill podcast, you can visit our website at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. And from there, you can read anime and game reviews that are not on this podcast. You can also find links to all of our social media where you can follow us. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope to hear from you soon. Cheers!